you know what I'm going to do? Mm. I'm either going to make the cold open me telling you about me being sick mm-hmm. and, and and the lag stiffs and the poo. <laughs> uh, but that might be way too way too much for cold open. I mean, it really might scare a lot of people off. Right, so right. maybe I'll just make this part of the cold open. Hello, listeners. Hi. Welcome to Baxter Building, Episode 5. Wow. Episode 5? Yeah, that's we're amazing. Five. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you think about it, like we're on the we're on the good stuff, Jeff. Oh man, we're on the motherload. We're on. The oh wait, 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 wait! Before before we even get into this, uh, hi, I'm Graham McMillan. I am the uh, less hairy host of this podcast. <laughs> uh, the more hairy host of the podcast is the gentleman I'm talking to that I just called Jeff, and whose name is uh, Jeff Lester, aka the hairy host of Hoggeth. So. Oh, yes! See, we should def- definitely do Doctor Strange after Fantastic Four. Oh, it's man. just been decided. <laughs> As ever, we are going through the first volume of Marvel's Fantastic Four, which goes from issue one all the way through issue 416, although there is an issue minus one in there somewhere, I think. Oh, yeah, right. Oof. Or maybe there's not. Maybe that happened when Fantastic Four wasn't running. We'll, we'll all find out together, listeners. Yes. This episode in particular, we are really at the great stuff. We are doing issues 48 through 54, and it really is the moment where Fantastic Four went from, this is an incredible comic, to, holy mother of crap, what are they doing? This is magic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For those, hopefully you've been following along with our previous episodes. If not, we literally went through issue 48 up until page 7 and stopped because uh, it, we had to conclude the Inhuman storyline um, where Kirby, uh, aided by newish uh, inker Joe Sinnott, really just starts lighting the place up. Um, and issue 48 is really kind of where it, it hits full effect. Um, yeah, it's just... What... What they're doing here in general, mm-hmm. but, you know, especially, actually, especially issue 51, I mm-hmm. think, uh, it's just magical stuff. Yeah. Like, the visuals, the the sheen that Sinner brings to Kirby, mm-hmm. uh, and the way that he softens Kirby's edges with, with faces more than anything. Yeah. While not sacrificing any of Kirby's dynamism. Yes. And in fact, in many ways, adding to it. Completely. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 amazing stuff. It really is just incredible stuff. Yeah, I think I think someone in the uh, our comments threads, and I fully one hundred percent apologize because I knew I was going to mention this, but didn't uh, dig up your name, so I apologize. It did not stick in my old hairy brain. Uh, talked about how Senate basically is a bridge between Kirby and John Romita. And I think that's actually a really good description, you know, in the sense that suddenly the 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 faces of the Fantastic Four are a million times—they're always on model, and they're they're 
they're also sort of always attractive, you know? Yes. All of a sudden. And I think we've, uh, I know, I know you have certainly in the past commented on your appreciation of Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sue Storm suddenly becomes glamorous mm-hmm. when Sinek comes on board. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and all the women do. All the women also, let's be honest, start looking exactly alike, <laughs> visually. Right. You know, Kirby and Sinet are great. Yeah. They're not, however, the best at differentiating their female faces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but there is a, a, a glamour and a, a new sort of beauty or... or Beauty isn't right, but there, there's a sort of sheen and a, a, a sexiness to it. Yeah, a, sensual, that, that, that a sensuality, really... I think. Yeah. I, it, yeah, which which gives which gives the the book it already you know was sort of crackling along, and there's so many things that Kirby is is very good at, but it's you can't really think of him as a sensual artist. I think unless you're unless you're thinking of Unless you're willing to define, you know, sensuality in a more primal term. Like, you know, there's impact and movement and a lot of grace, but it's almost like there's an extra dimension that sort of dropped out of the um, the spectrum of his work that when Sinnott comes along and, 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 and brings that with it, all of a sudden it, it's, it's almost, it's, it's like another... Um, it's like another dimension being added to the art that is really stunning. One of the things that struck me, interestingly enough, one of the things that struck me uh, on reading these seven issues, uh, the the first time, which I, I pretty much read straight through to issue 50 or, yeah, issue 50, I think, last time, uh, even though we were only discussing up to whatever issue 48 and because it it was just impossible to stop reading going back and reading them again one of the things that struck me is how ridiculously hard i found it to be to articulate what was going on and why it was working so well you know for me you mean visually yeah just everything i mean you know this is and I promise we're going to start talking about the stories soon, yes. people. Um, one of the things that really struck out for me when reading issue 48 is this is really close to what I consider Kirby Kirby. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. the the panel uh, where you see the city, uh, Human Torch flying through the city on fire. Yes. Uh, there's something about that that really feels like not only Lee and Kirby Sinnott, Fantastic Four, but also Kirby's uh, Kirby and Royer's New Gods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even some of the the Captain America stuff when he comes back in the seventies to the Marvel, mm-hmm. like it feels very all encompassing Kirby. Yes. Whereas everything up until this point has felt like you know proto Kirby or mm-hmm. an element of Kirby. Yeah. Like it's it's as if he's suddenly achieved prime Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we really do see prime Kirby hit here. And one of the things that I think is kind of interesting, um, and, and so. So let's let's talk about issue forty-eight. For those who don't know, the the title of it is I'm is I'm insistent is called the coming of Galactus. Uh, Graham, you, would, you you could you can call it that if you want. Sure. Whereas Graham would call it the fabulous FF find wonders without end during 
open quote, the coming of Galactus, exclamation point, close quote. Well, um, no, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? Because you'd leave out I'd the quotes it, in the... Yeah. No, I'd call it the fabulous FF Fine Wonders Without End, comma, during ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. Oh, I couldn't let Oh. That. So, in it, we have the first seven... Uh, pages are the conclusion of the Inhumans epic, which starts oh, off with... As you'll, as you'll quickly find out, mm-hmm. or less a conclusion as much as a uh, let's just take a break from it. Yeah, it really is interesting in that regard. It is, it is a placeholder uh, ending, and much closer to what we think of as modern comic books um, in the sense of there's even with the finality of the FF barely escaping out of the inhuman city before uh, the impenetrable negative zone wall uh, descends and completely encircles the city. Um, it, 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 it is so not a final ending. You have Johnny storm hammering on, on the wall of the zone, you know, all but begging to be let in so that he can be reunited with the woman that he is in love with. Um, and everyone kind of going more important. You have the things, uh, thought balloon Mm. at the end of that scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he didn't promise. He couldn't promise, but we both know one thing. We'll never give up to those two kids are together again. Somehow. Yeah. There, there is something about that for me. Mm. is what really signals the we're coming back to this Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah which is uh which is interesting because i'm i they probably will i mean maybe i i wonder in a way if if lee himself is basically saying is signaling that at putting that there as a no 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 we have to come back to this we promise you know um I don't know. You know, it's it's funny to me because there's a lot of cases in these next couple of issues where myself, who is has read all of the issues of the Fantastic Four as very much um, the Fantastic Four by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee as opposed to by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Um, and yet there are parts here when Lee is on point even if I'm somewhat dubious about the idea of him being a full collaborator as far as plotting goes, he has a very savvy sense of how to interpret um, and in some cases heighten Kirby's art. And the the classic, the example that I gave last time um, was talking about how in on, on page seven in panel four, you've got the FF's jet flying over the, the mighty dome of the, the negative zone, the dome shaped barrier. And, uh, and you have a very long caption by um, Lee where he's like, he meant describes it as a barrier, which sinks lower and lower into the ground until at last it will be lost from sight, but never from the memories of the fantastic four, but his sense of making sure to pull that lower and lower and then the very next panel is, you know, the Silver Surfer deep in space. And mm-hmm. it's one of the things that really heightens, if you look at the the composition of things, Kirby is basically doing an angle down, like a bird's eye view, practically, of the the dome surrounding the great city and the jet. 
and then it's basically a reversal shot into the deepest of deep space. I mean, mm-hmm. it's which is almost abstract, but I think that Lee very sensibly uh, helps catch the the kind of breathtakingness of that transition. Yes, and and Lee also humanizes it mm-hmm. as as a design element. It is Kirby doing what Kirby does, yeah. which is almost you know outsider art esque. Mm-hmm. Have the perfect storytelling. You'll look on page seven and see that the plane is flying towards the Silver Surfer. They're flying mm-hmm. towards each other. That's right. Yeah. And so your eye automatically connects the two. Mm-hmm. But without Lee saying, lower and lower from sight, and then, but life goes on. Yeah. And somewhere in the deep badness of outer space, an incredible vigor hurtles through the cosmos. Without Lee bridging that for you. You it you'd be broken. You that transition wouldn't work. Yeah. Lee really steps his game up in this. Which is not to say that Lee is great, because by the time we get onto the Black Panther issues, oh holy crap. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, well let let's get there. I mean breath, there's there's breathtaking. There's 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 even stuff where um in this very three issue epic, um he he goes from like, oh, Stan to oh Stan. So issue <laughs> 48, the rest of 48 is the introduction to the Silver Surfer and perhaps more importantly because the Silver Surfer is the Herald of Galactus and is searching for a new planet the for Galactus to, to devour. Uh, the Watcher breaks his oath um, and begins trying to hide Earth from uh the surfer's sight and the first and he he does that by and we don't find out actually until right up to the 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 very end ass end of this issue that it is the watcher who's responsible so what you get is some absolutely fantastic apocalyptic imagery uh in this issue where two suns seem to appear in the sky and then the sky is filled with flame People are panicking and in their Simpsons Springfield-esque type way are, of course, blaming the Human Torch. Um, Later, the sky gets filled with inorganic space debris. Um, And so one of the things that's kind of great to me about issue 48 is so much of the book really is its setup and its reaction shot. It's just, I don't think, it's hard for me to imagine... Um, an entire issue of a comic, I mean, where it's, it's all, it's all set up. And I mean, in a way, of course, I feel like we're sort of completely tired to death of that. That, that is in fact, incredibly, um, you know, all too common in a lot of today's comics to get an entire issue to just get to the point. Galactus is well, coming. Well, what, what's really interesting is not only is that a new thing here, so you mm-hmm. have the novelty, how the characters react is yeah. very different now from the way that it, it was done then. Mm-hmm. Because the characters in FF48 are much more active. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just the sky's on fire, what's happening? Today it would be the sky's on fire, what's happening? Let's have four issues about this and right. let's have lots of conversations. Yes. Whereas in this, it's the human torch going, I'm going to fly around and find out. And when he flies around, he gets attacked. And because mm-hmm. he gets attacked, the thing literally drops in to save him. Yes. And so there's much more uh, dynamism and there's much more action. Yeah, there is. And in fact, so much so that, that uh, 
the action it it more or less gets carried away from you know again it's sort of lee versus kirby a little bit one of the things that i think is hilarious is you have a scene basically the thing rescues johnny storm and let me tell you again something that i don't feel like i give stanley enough credit for uh probably because i feel in so many ways so many people gave him too much credit but oh my god his dialogue for ben Grimm is fantastic there's a point where he beats a bully by just clunking him with one finger and then afterwards is you know putting that hat on the guy's stomach afterwards and he says um you can sleep it off here pal you'll be snapping out of it in a couple of hours then think of the fun you'll have in, in the emergency ward telling everybody what a phony i am which is just such a um it's just so uh trenchant you know it's really ben's grim has his own voice and and a very very funny voice but yeah. he really at his at 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 their best lee and kirby really do make Ben Grimm, an an utterly satisfying character in that regard. Mm-hmm. As we'll as we'll see. I don't know. Well, as as we see right here. So, but I do love the fact that it's like you've got that scene, you've got the Silver Surfer in space, and then you've got a panel where the FF have returned to the Baxter building and the, and the, the introductory caption is literally, but by now the FF have referred has reached the Baxter building where we find, and it's Ben talking on a telephone. It's Sue storm being annoyed at Reed. And she turns on the TV monitor to talk to him in his lab. And he's completely got like ridiculous five days shadow, you know, like he's it's <laughs> for like what it's been like an hour. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's clearly I'm so tired. My views, my elastic powers to grow myself some stubble. <laughs> exactly. I'm showing you how tired I am. So, but also I love that she is like Sue Storm in this scene is hilarious. Yes. Yeah. The flames in the sky are gone. The danger seems to be over. You'd think you'd remember his wife. She says, <laughs> really? Because that that's, first of all, that's the man you've married all this time. Secondly, right. you've never been like this before. And actually, it, is this the same? Yeah, it, it's the same scene where Ben Grimm goes, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, kids. He still loves you, but he's got a job to do. Yeah. Which I think is primely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, girls are fine, you know, but listen, they better yeah. get out of the way when you've got to get the job done. Oh, yeah. I, and and it does. There There is stuff that... Um, Let's just say that without ever meaning to, because I really don't think that he does, uh, Lee sows the seeds for the concept of Reed and Sue being an utterly dysfunctional marriage and Reed being... utterly. I mean, Mm -hmm. Stanley, in his well-meaning but utterly misogynistic way... Mm -hmm. uh, seats the souls for this being the most unhealthy marriage in in existence yeah yeah it it is fascinating so uh i do want to point out that that you know you get the scene they're kind of you know she's doing this like she goes from being upset to like ah, i just i want you to be healthy and take care of yourself and from pages 16 through 20 you only have four pages you have the revelation that the watcher is the one that is behind 
the 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 apocalyptic decoy maneuvers you have the silver surfer fly to earth miss the human torch get punched by the thing the landing of galactus's ship and the emergence of galactus in four pages and so one of the things that i really love about issue 48 is there's so much foreboding and then all of it the the very cosmic nature of it seems overwhelming in part because it gets pushed to the 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 appearances of the main the main cosmic characters are pushed to the last four pages and so yeah yeah it's it you know you're it, sub- it feels out of control yeah because it, you, you've spent you've spent the issue going what's happening what's going to happen yeah and then so much happens so quickly that you're like oh shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it works really really well yeah so uh and and the pacing of it is very funny when you consider what happens in issue 49 mm. where the pacing is wacky yeah yeah no i mean that's one of the things that i think is interesting for me is is like i these are the 48 49 and 50 have to be considered like to me it just seems impossible that you can talk about the american superhero comic and not have these issues be ranked right at the very top like you know i i i'd, I'd add in 51 which yeah, I think fifty. Really yeah, well. I think actually well, fifty-one really does is a right. counterpoint to the, the previous three issues. I think as a as a four-issue run. Yeah, I think that's actually a good point. Fifty fifty-one is actually invaluable. Uh, I mean, it is it is tremendous uh, on its own. But I, I think you're right. It not only it not only is more tremendous uh, when compared contrasted with the three issues that precede it, but. It's sim- they they build off of each other in, in yeah, a yeah. real synergistic way. Although, and I don't, I, I apologize to break this out early. I should have, uh, I wanted to save it toward the end. But uh, one of the things that is interesting about Y48 and 50, the Galactus Saga and This Man, This Monster connect very well is the Fantastic Four are very very close to being guest stars in their own book in those issues and it it actually to in in my mind continues to the point where by the time you get to issues 54 and 55 which isn't officially to be discussed here um the ff are basically the bad guys you know both the thing and the human torch in what they do in issues 54 and 55 are literally the, the uh, arguably evil selfish choices that are, are the catalyst, you know, for the action. I'd stop before saying bad guys, but they're definitely, um, they're not the heroes as people would, would have understood them in the superhero paradigm that has existed up until that point. Well, no, exactly. On, on and, and that paradigm, in, in they're closer to, to the enemies. You know, they're to the... Uh, I, well, let's save it till we at least get to 54, because then yeah. we can unpack that a little bit more. But what but, I was going to say is that I yes. think what a lot of 48 to 50 does, mm-hmm. and, and specifically the Galactus stuff, because, again, Galactus stuff finishes super early in issue 50. Yeah. Um, but what if that does is unpick this those superhero tropes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you know? That, so you don't have... Galactus is presented, especially by the time you get to issue 49. So let's just say we're talking about issue 49. Yeah, let's jump into uh, Issue 49 is called If This Be Doomsday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts, Galactus has landed on Earth. Any additional words of ours would simply pall be- beside the awesome portent of that one staggering phrase. Galactus has landed on Earth, because obviously Stan's not going to stop after saying that. Yes. Galactus has landed on Earth, and humanity itself totters on the brink of doomsday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I- issue 49 is is such a weird issue. Yes. It's such a very, very odd issue, because... It does start with falling on from issue 48, which ends so quickly mm-hmm. and ends with a We're all fucked. Yes. And then weirdly almost plays for time for half the issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene midway through where, and this is commented on by the characters, but the thing's having a bath and <laughs> Mr. Fantastic's having a shave. Yes. Yeah. They're like, it's the end of the world. We might as well look clean. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it's um it's a very odd issue. And like I said, yeah, the the pacing in all in all three of the issues is actually very strange. It's arguably the Galactus Saga is two issues put into three to keep you utterly off balance as to its pacing. I I honestly think that whether it's well, you know it isn't it isn't because issue forty eight's cliffhanger is the cliffhanger moment. Yes. No, and it so is if it was yes, within absolutely. two mm-hmm. issues, mm-hmm. you know, the break would come the break would pretty much come when like Ben Grimm's having his bath. Yes. I mean it's it's the weirdest issue. So so issue forty nine starts with Galactus appearing on Earth mm-hmm. and confronting the Watcher. Yes. And Basically saying, screw you guys, you can try and hide this planet, but I found it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm going to do what I do. Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four attack and are rebuffed mm-hmm. to the point where the thing suffers from a gas and Mr. Fantastic rolls himself into a blanket around Ben Grimm. Mm-hmm. And he, the two of them and Sue Storm go back inside the Baxter building. Yeah. The Human Torch then attacks Galactus. Galactus proves himself immune to flame. Yeah. And in fact puts the Human Torch out. Human Torch then goes back inside. And there comes that's like a breaking issue. That all that happens in the first five issues. First five pages, sorry. Yes. Um and so you then have this weird page, thing on page six where Johnny understandably is like, Where did y'all you guys go? Mm-hmm. And Sue goes, Oh, they're they're cleaning up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Mr. Fantastic actually says, no harm in tidying up while you're thinking, is there, lad? You could use a shower yourself. <laughs> Which is the weirdest moment. Yeah, but, you know, I'm I'm almost down with it. I, I, I mean, first off, I there's... kind of love it. Like, yeah. it's, it's weird enough that I'm totally on board from a kitsch point of view. Yes. I, I don't... To me, it's just... It's maybe a step beyond kitsch, which I, I could be wrong, but... But my thing is um, both Ben and Reed are war veterans and Johnny isn't. And so there's a little bit to me of the idea of like these guys are soldiers and warriors that are aware that there are times when essentially you have to pull back, regroup and figure out what the fuck to do. You know, the the fact that it's actually 
um, that the thing is doing it as much as Reed is, is kind of surprising. But it's also part of the, like I said, this, this book is just, the story is just filled, I think, with trying to keep you off kilter. I love the fact that page one and page two are basically Steven Spielberg's entire career, you know, in that you open with the reaction shot of the Fantastic Four, and then you turn the page and you see, you know, again, a reverse angle, and there's Galactus and the Watcher talking. You know, now, admittedly, one of the things that's great about it is it it becomes a thing that Kirby later Kirby goes on to use a lot, a full page splash. And in fact, you know, in his DC days, followed by a double page splash right after. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a way of like, boom, and then really blowing your mind. Exactly. Boom, double boom. Yeah. And, And whenever he did that as well, it was very rare for him not to increase the scope of the image on the double page. Yeah, exactly. So you'd have a, a, a full page splash, which would generally be of one character. Mm-hmm. And then the double page would be of at least that character interacting with someone else, if not like a full yeah. cityscape or a battlefield or something yes. like yeah, that. Yes, yeah, exactly. In in a way that, um, yeah, in, 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 a, in a way that really pushes the, the borders of what you're supposed to do. Um at least in cinematic thought of, you know, going from a close up to, you know, a wide establishing shot. A lot of people reverse it, you know. Um, and and so here you've got, you know, the sort of the Spielberg shot of our characters looking odd, just just completely, you know, jaw droppingly aghast. W E. Thank you. Not yes. ODD. Yeah, exactly. And then seeing what they are seeing. And it and and you know, there's a reason why Spielberg uses it. It it does work. You know, subliminally we take the cue. Um and it well, does but and again, they're playing against type somewhat because issue forty eight ends with Galactus getting out. Yes. And basically being, I'm here to start some shit. Yes. Issue 49 starts with that first page of the Fantastic Four just looking like, oh shit, we're mm-hmm. all in trouble. Right. But the second page is just Galactus and the Watcher talking. That's right. And there's something wonderful about that that is not the fight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like this conversation alone mm-hmm. would blow your minds. Yes. Yeah. And it kind of, I mean, you're told that it really on the manages, first page. Yeah. But it mm-hmm. really manages to up the ante. Yeah. It absolutely like, does. Like you thought the fight was going to blow your minds. This conversation is blowing your minds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. so much of the Fantastic Four at this stage is a confidence trick. Yes. In the best way. Yeah, but, completely. But Stan's hyperbole really is primary to the appeal of these books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, it really is a, you haven't seen, you know, you ain't seen nothing yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, in many cases, you genuinely haven't. Right. But because... You're told that. Mm-hmm. You get excited. You're like, oh man, I haven't. Right. This is cool. Whatever you guys have got planned, that's great. Yeah. Whereas if someone hadn't said it with enough passion, you'd be like, ah, I'm not sure. I'm, you know. Right. This, this is okay. Because if you think about it, it is a very, um, it, there is a static setup. There's a little bit of initial action. Then you do get the, the scenes of setup stuff. Um, and a, a lot of, I mean, it's just, 
it's so much amazing, powerful imagery, but the, but the FF really don't re-enter the fray um, until page 13, you know, and... But before we get there, Mm -hmm. you have the all-important interlude of Silver Surfer, coincidentally, Mm -hmm. and coincidence plays an incredibly strong role in these issues of Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. But he falls into the loft of uh, Alicia Masters. That's right. Uh, And there's... I mean, everyone who knows their comics, which is probably everyone listening to this podcast knows what that means. Mm-hmm. Namely, Alicia, who I think you and I have agreed is probably telepathic, mm-hmm. um, senses that there is something special about the Silver Surfer and manages to get in touch with his inner humanity. There's one thing that's really that really stands out to me about this scene, though. Mm-hmm. Kirby and Sinnott draw the Silver Surfer in a more alien way than I'm used to. Yes! I wanted to mention that. Isn't it fascinating? I mean... Again, people schooled in 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 this the the behind the scenes stuff will know that later Stanley goes and starts a uh, Silver Surfer comic book drawn by John Basima, that is one of the um, several, if not many, last straws for Kirby. In no small part because what Lee does with the origin of the Silver Surfer is 100% diametrically opposed to what Kirby is trying to do. And and what he does here, the Silver Surfer is not the, the crybaby of the stars who, you know did an emo thing and now, you know, he's never going to see his, his girl again. And he's going to like skate among the stars. Like yeah. kind of, it's, it's literally the opposite. Yeah. The silver surfer is this inhuman thing. Yes. That does not understand humanity. That does not comprehend basically what he's been doing. Yes. Yeah. He has no concept of the scope of his actions until he is met by the, you know, deep, innate, and probably telepathic uh, empathy <laughs> of Alicia Masters, who like sits down and tries to make him a meal, and you know, without even really meaning to, for the first half of it, and then very deliberately for the second half, making an argument for humanity's right to exist, for the existence of, you know. An, an emotional life as primal and important and, and essentially con- convincing the silver surfer. It's, it's just, it's, if nothing else, it's one of those situations that is, um, it's a, it's a little bit of the, I mean, if, because of that, despite how you, um, uh, despite how it, it's, it's cast, the Watcher and Alicia are the heroes of the three issues, you know? Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they are, you they're, know. They're, they're the characters that you could not replace in the story without significantly altering its outcome. Exactly. Exactly. The Fantastic Four could be anyone else. Yeah. They, they have their parts to play and they do their things sort of. But yeah, I think part of the part of what inspired what helps convince you that this is an amazing thing that you've never seen before is 
it really is several issues of the FF being um, helpless. They're incredibly active. They don't, they are always trying to do things. They can even stall Galactus for minutes at a time. And of course, what we should talk of course about the human torch who plays an important part in, in the whole thing, but it is very but, much but again, the, watcher I, and Alicia. I, I, the watchers doing. Yes. At the it's watchers. Like, did, yes. Completely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's a, yeah, it's a very, very strange issue. You have Alicia playing a very important role. I mean, we're sort of jumping through the issue hodgepodge now, but this yes. second scene with Alicia and silver surfer is something that shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee's dialogue is terrible. Yes. It is is beyond trite. And yet it does work. And I'm not quite sure why. Mm-hmm. Because it's also not like Kirby and Sinnott are being particularly dynamic in these pages either. There's something I think that everyone on these pages somehow fails and yet the page nonetheless works. Yeah. Yeah. Well uh, I, I'm talking about page eleven in the yes. book following along, by the way. Right. Um it's 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 when Alicia is making the case for for the Silver Surfer changing his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the speech that Silver that makes the Silver Surfer change his mind. And again, this is from Galactus should just convert everything into energy. Why not? Mm-hmm. To everything has a right to live. Is we all matter. Every living being. Every bird and beast. This is our world. Ours. Perhaps we are not as powerful as your Galactus, but we have hearts. We have souls. We live, breathe, feel. Can't you see that? Are you as blind as I? That's it. Yeah. And for some reason, that touches the Silver Surfer enough. Yeah. Well, there, I... there's lots of, you can't really take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Because if you do, you have to come to the conclusion that no one has ever talked to the Silver Surfer that way before. Right. Which seems extremely unlikely. Not impossible. Right. But extremely unlikely. Yeah. But, but again... It works in the story. The story's momentum at this point brings you through. Well, there's there's a few things I think that, that work. One of the things that I think is great is in a way Kirby, who has that sort of fascination with sort of fairy tales and the old world. You know, he has it's it's he's he's um always been indebted i think into stories in which the kings and the great men are always um taught humility by the commoner and and one of the things that's great is is that galactus and the silver surfer and even the watcher all carry themselves like regal beings they are all um they are all power you know, they're, they're all unaffected by their surroundings. Yes, exactly. They, they all dominate the surroundings, and actually, the 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 body language of of the characters in these issues, yes, are, is very interesting. Yeah, because the Fantastic Four are always in in motion and always mm-hmm. surging forward. Yes. Whereas you have Galactus, you have the Silver Surfer, you have the Watcher, who are are not. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. very still. Yes. Well, what is happening right now. And and it is it is one of those things that I think to me is is one of the triumphs of Kirby's art and storytelling. Again, just brought to the next level by Sinnet is is that that stillness conveys tremendous amounts of power and confidence, you know, which mm-hmm. is why like you said, 
we see Galactus and he's not kicking ass. He's just talking to the Watcher. And yet that is a moment that is so filled. The fact that Galactus is for the majority of this so literally unbothered in, in an emotional way by anything that is going wrong, you, you, that, you know, anything that anyone says, he just ultimately... It's it's not your usual Stan Lee like never have I known such anger kind of thing until until we get to the emotional stakes between Galactus and Silver Surfer in the next issue. No, no, it actually happens earlier. It happens on page twelve, which is what I really like. As goofy as it is, the Y Y Y panel. Yes, <laughs> there's a goofy ass scene where uh, basically. The Galactus starts, attempts to start his machine to strip the world of all its energy, and it doesn't start, and he gets really upset. He, the dialogue actually says, the converter does not drawer. It is not operating. Never in a thousand millenniums. has Never has it failed before. Why? 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 <laughs> See, that strikes me as such over-egging of the pudding that it's like, that's out it. of character. I mean, no, that's totally so... out of character, but that's what I love. Like, I love that you've had Galactus basically be like, you kids, do whatever you want. You yeah. Know? Right. Sure, sure. You want to try and stop me? That's great. Yeah, right. do whatever. Yeah. And so when he gets like that upset about something really minor not working, <laughs> it's like, wow, Galactus, Galactus is either super powerful and that you know, used to everything going to plan yes. or that much of a crybaby that everyone normally just lets him eat the planet because they don't want to deal with right, exactly. Just like, just... either way, like, Galactus is something to deal with. I love it. And I, I, but I really do love the Why? 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 And I love that the next scene is literally Galactus looking on top of his ship yeah. and things like, don't ride me! I'm just tearing shit to stray. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, it's, it's a, it's a, such a nice little, uh, way to reintroduce the FF into the action. Let me just say also that that um, one of the reasons why I think that scene between Alicia and the Silver Surfer works that that is not necessarily what you would expect is the genius of the design of the Silver Surfer. Of course, over the years, everyone has you know had to admit that he arguably is one of the most ludicrous creations of all time. I remember Keith Giffen uh, and and uh, Robert Lauren Fleming making fun of Silver Surfer in like an ambush bug comic, you know, and, and, and me being like, oh, right, he is ridiculous. Like it had never occurred to me. Well, um, yeah, it totally doesn't. You're like the Silver Surfer, sure. Yeah. And then someone has to go, he's a dude in a surfboard. Right. surfing through space buck naked you know and you're like oh shit you're right oh my god how could i but you don't <laughs> how did i not realize that yeah, exactly and and because there's so many things i mean that's the nature of comics of course but but one of the things that i love is is that kirby literally because he's because he makes um the silver surfer alien but visually the character is literally a blank slate you know what i mean he is part of what sells uh, Alicia's speech, in a way, is her basically arguing about the the importance of life and feelings, and he is so clearly without, like he is so clearly empty. The, the, she is, she is, according to the art, as much as the the dialogue, mm-hmm. she is over emoting amazingly. Yeah, she she is having a nervous breakdown. Right, and right. Silver Surfer is just standing there. Yeah. 
He's not even reacting when she's hitting his chest. Yeah, exactly. And so when he responds, and admittedly, this is, you know, a, a... one part pivot to one part covering all your bets, but part of what makes I, it, you buy the scene in a way is, is that the Silver Surfer really doesn't respond to what she's saying as much as how she's saying it. He literally yes. has that moment of... It's, it's not that what she says makes him realize the importance of feelings it's the way that she says it the the passion of it actually gives him a feeling like he actually has an emotion the first emotion ever basically and realizes kind of how important that is you know Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. beyond the scope of kind of the the fatalism of things live and die and it's just the natural circle i mean galactus is a a force of nature which is underlined you know from this issue on even um but more importantly than that is is something beyond that and 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 so what's interesting about the surfer in the first few ways that his first few appearances here um is is that he is as much responding to the idea of emotion and at first he's he's sort of um kind of in awe of it and sort of finds it worth defending and then later goes grows increasingly bitter about the about the sheer senselessness of it i suppose Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um just before we move on i want to say really quickly i know you're not reading it mm -hmm. but for those who are um the dc convergence series (laughs) uh Anyone who is reading these issues and is reading Convergence, I hope you've all realized that one of the things that Convergence is doing is desperately trying to create its own Silver Surfer and Galactus setup. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Mm. With, with... Uh, Brain- Brainiac is Galactus. Right. And Telus, the planet, is very much the Silver Surfer. Interesting. Like, to a, a, an almost laughable extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially if, like me... You read these issues, and right. then you read conversions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. Um, moving on with Fantastic Four Forty Nine, uh, we cannot go any further without talking about the mission that the Watcher sends Johnny on. Yes, which is great. Yeah, yeah, great in a way that I don't think the book ever really matches. Yes, I think this is the pinnacle of its out thereness and of its uh scope to be perfectly honest i don't yeah. think it ever comes back to this well if you don't mind let me just point out because i i do do adore both pages 14 and 15 i want to point out that i'm i'm a the trum- punisher yeah well okay yes the, the the punisher arrives and kicks everyone's asses but is is at least unlike secret wars number one a punisher that makes sense in that context uh and also but also to me, I love the abstraction of panels three and four. Like we said, we're, like you said, Graham, we're looking at we're looking at Prime Kirby. We're looking at Peak Kirby, and so those two, I love because I just recently reread OMAC number one. How much uh, panel four on page fourteen is the reverse image of Brother Eyes yeah, theme it in is. OMAC? You yes. know, and and next to it is the wonderful shot of 
Galactus lifting his finger, and you just seen his helmet. He's, except for his hands, he's all recent abstraction. And it's such a, you know, there are the Celestials from the Eternals right there with their mm. amazing, unknowable uh, architecture, but also just the idea that the move, just the movement in their fingers or thumbs is enough. Yeah. To, to completely doom us. And so in that concept, page 15, I, I also adore because the Watcher launches Johnny Storm on his mission and panels three and four on that page just blow my mind every time I look at them. Because, you know, basically by launching that, he says that he is launching the Human Torch to travel by time-space distortion and he forces open the fabric of time itself is the way he says it. But it basically looks as if Johnny Storm is given the knowledge of the gods and he is literally exploding with knowledge. Yes. Not only are the visuals amazing. I mean, panel three on page 15 is just amazing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's such a wonderful panel. But the dialogue, the dialogue is one of the few times where Lee matches Kirby's trippiness. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. We must force open the very fabric of time itself. Let yes. it be done now. You're traveling back, far, far back, into the center of infinity, and the Watcher is at your side. You have already ceased to exist in your own time continuum. The distance you're traveling is so great that your language holds no words which can describe it. Though I am pledged never to interfere with the affairs of other races, sure, Watcher. I shall accompany you all the way, yet it is you who must perform the task. Brace yourself now for what it's soon to be. Yeah. It's so great. You're passing through the celestial barrier, barriers known as unlife. To touch them is to perish. Unlife! I mean, yeah. You're so, first of all, you're so close to anti-life. Did you have that moment as well? We were like, yes. unlife! Yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that, and also, then, uh, he eventually reaches what the Watcher calls Galactus's home planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which kind of fascinates me as well mm -hmm. because i think at least for me i now think of galactus in the way that galactus has become in the marvel universe mm -hmm. you know there is no home planet of galactus he comes from like the previous incarnation of the universe yada 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 mm -hmm. and there's something about seeing his his spaceship being described mm -hmm. as the planet here that that really stuck out to me yeah and also the spaceship is a mobius loop Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So there is, you're right. These, I, I adore these two pages. They work at this amazing, like I said, there's times where Lee just does not measure up to what's going on. But every once in a while, every couple of pages, he ups his game and helps really nail the transcendence of it and and it helps one of the things that i find amazing that i didn't really realize until i reread these issues you know this week is we never see johnny inside the spaceship we never see him retrieve the giga like we do in so many other issues like i i just think that i subconsciously inserted you know that stuff of um you know people go the people going through the the watcher's house on on the blue area of the moon or whatever you know i didn't really get the the fact that 
the, you don't you don't see it like the, yeah. the cliffhanger for the Human Torch. This issue is he finds Galactus's home planet, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, and then when you see him in issue fifty, Johnny's fucked up. He's he's fucked up. But again, you see him fly back, and so it really is. It's it is so. Um, the emphasis is put on the journey. It's not put on the destination. You know, yeah. the yeah. journey is the part that Johnny has been fucked up literally by traveling beyond yeah that's what that's what i love because you mm-hmm. don't see what it is yeah and so you you're left with this johnny has gone has had this experience which has completely screwed him up yeah i mean completely screwed him up in a way that he's over in four pages but yes you know he is he can't comprehend what he has seen yeah and yeah. it's not it's not the thing that he's got in his hand like yeah. it's not because he was gathering you know this object because you see the object and other people see the object and there's no big deal right but it's the journey that did it yes exactly exactly it's whatever went on in galactus's house great you know but literally just the the course of it it's and it's fascinating to me because in in a way it's um you know this is a, a later generation very specifically george lucas's generation um, of Star Wars viewers gets introduced to and semi shoved down their throat the heroic journey myth by Joseph Campbell, in which you know the young hero travels to the underworld, gets the item that he needs to come back uh, from the underworld to you know conquer the the horrible enemy and. You know, Campbell will go on and on and on about how what's important is the idea that um, that it's the the knowledge, the knowledge of his darker self or his shadow self or blah blah blah. Um, I'm I've always been a fan of of sort of rejecting that kind of paradigm. Like it's useful in its way, but I I hate it as a one size fits all coat. So I kind of like how much in a way um, the next issue of Fantastic Four. Johnny's arc is kind of close to Kyle McLaughlin's in Blue Velvet, where the idea is he does descend into the underworld. He does come back with the thing that is able to defeat, you know, the the monstrous villain, but he literally can't hold it in his head. It's it's literally too big for him. And mm-hmm. and and he basically just has no choice but to more or less default you know back to who he's always been in fact that would actually be one of those interesting ideas that we'll never see played out and and would never work in a way but you know the idea of doing an issue of the fantastic four where uh, basically you realize that johnny part of why johnny storm can't change is because whatever happened to him has sort of sort of forever put it kept him in this you know not quite stunted him, but tr- sort of trapped him in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I would sort of want to do that, but a, not only does it not explain why nobody else has really changed in like nine million issues either, but um, but it's also somehow all the more powerful for it that he, at the end, is both almost broken and perfectly fine at the same time. You know. Yeah. It's just, there's a, there's a, again, for me, there's so much stuff that I'm like, I don't see how any of, any of it works in a way. And yet it just, all of it works so absolutely yeah. goddamn well. 
so know. much of issue 49 shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pacing is is choppy as hell. Mm-hmm. The the actions of all of the characters don't really make sense. Mm-hmm. There is n- it, there's an awful lot of playing for time, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet somehow throughout the entire thing, the intensity holds up yeah. and you get the feeling that there really is just a disaster around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there there really is. Um so uh anything else you you want to talk about before we jump into issue 50 or Let's jump into issue 50. Yeah. Issue 50 is called The Fabulous Fantastic 4 Become a Part of the Startling Saga of the Silver Surfer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um and and I love that that Stan throws in at the bottom of of listing all the he he Stan of course always uh hypes the people in the credits box but it is interesting to me that he actually throws in an actual caption at the bottom saying peerless pageantry at the peak of proud perfection and of, oh, above that it just say greater than the greatest as greater well greater than the greatest yeah i mean it is very uh, you get the sense that Stan himself is kind of blown away by this by the, these issues as he has every right to buying into his own hype (laughs) well yeah let's let's go from you know yeah being nice to being not so nice (laughs) i love the fact that in issue 50 galactus now has pants um that he they put them on yeah you know if you're going to destroy the world he's also got gloves yeah, oh right! Didn't you? Kind didn't, of, I get. I that's right. I didn't notice that. No, yeah, he, he, he didn't have gloves in the previous issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, well, it's also worth noticing that Galactus's costume entirely changes color between issue forty-eight and forty-nine. Yeah, forty-eight and forty-nine, it changes, and then it changes again by issue fifty. Like it's such a. And do you remember the far after the fact retcon about why that was the case? Uh, no. Did they do a retcon after yeah, the fact? Bob Layton's first or second hercules series oh man uh, do you remember bob layton's hercules series? of course i do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um it's the issue where unsurprisingly hercules gets drunk with uh, galactus mm-hmm. and galactus basically makes the argument of everyone sees me the way they want to see me ah okay and so he basically makes the argument of yeah and sometimes it's just completely inconsistent because people are blown away by what i am right Interestingly enough, that that point gets brought up in the Squirrel Girl, where uh, Squirrel Girl meets Galactus. Um, uh, but that's beside the point. That's so. Does this get changed? Uh, what happens is um, Squirrel Girl asks her squirrel companion, whose name I'm blocking on, if Squirrely. Yes, yeah, Squirrely. If Squirrely sees Galactus as any different, and. Squirrely's like, no, big helmet, purple pants. It's basically the same. But we see from the POV that Galactus is basically a an squirrel. enormous squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, which, <laughs> which is not, it, it's a silly joke, but it's a funny one. It's a silly joke. I, and of course, the thing that I think really sells it is a silly joke is the fact that they don't catch on. Like they, they neither, neither of them are smart enough to really uh, um, ask the extra question that puts it together. But, so the Fantastic Four issue issue fifty. It's interesting, Graham, that you and I had talked about our favorite centennial issues, and I threw in a, a whole bunch of uh, semi centennial issues and forgot to leave this one out because 
<laughs> Although, as we'll get to, it's really like two-thirds of the greatest comic book of all time. So, um, uh, or maybe half. Oh, no, I'll do oh, the yeah, page. Half. It's, it's, yeah, half. Yeah, it's uh, Galactus is gone by page 11. Yeah. And then, holy cow. So, uh... And, and then it really is amazing, like, okay, we've got half a book left. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know if you've got if you've got something super important to, to say about the first three pages uh, or the cover. If so, hop in. But for me... No, no, I, I really want to skip to the Human Torch coming back, to be perfectly honest with you. Okay. Let me just mention page four, which I absolutely adore, because in it... Um, the first three pages has a Silver Surfer attacking Galactus and um, basically put him, putting him in a cocoon of solid energy. And uh, the thing touches it. It starts to break apart. Galactus emerges on page four. And it basically on page four is, to me, the height of utterly coherent action that you are completely suturing together in your mind you've got uh, uh, the first oh, panel if you had no dialogue there you would you might even think that it was entirely disconnected scenes yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't even seem as if any of it like all of the things that are that would help you make sense of the narrative at least visually are gone honestly it looks as if the fantastic four are being attacked by a small exploding planet in that first panel, um, and, which only somehow just seems to add to the anything can happen. What the fuck? And you have, you know, all the, the, the it's the big budget movie on paper come to life in the sense of each one of those of the following four panels are either Galactus being surrounded by rays and lights or the silver surfer like firing shit out of his hands and, and swinging around um, other, you know, colors and lights. Uh, and, and yet the, the narrative in your mind that you put together to make those things happen. And again, it helps that Lee is, is, is moving you through stuff. Although not especially well, considering he's talking about things like Galactus's impenetrable absorba shield uh and then the silver server can you not see how easily my impenetrable absorba shields deflect your foolish rays of starfire i'll take starfire over blasts of solar destructogen where i'm just like oh stan 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 like he literally can't follow it um no but at the same time without stan that page would be a mess oh absolutely absolutely stan, he's stan, doing everything sure, he can absorb to shields and destructogen yeah. might be losers but stan is doing his best to keep up oh and you know honestly and the next page i feel like he does he totally totally catches up uh, for me i i love the fact that galactus even in the midst of his fight is is basically like you know Dude, I don't understand. Like, the humans slay lesser beasts for food. I do no less, you know? And and it follows with the next page where the Watcher really does say, like, Galactus is not evil. He is above good or evil. He does what he must, for he is Galactus. And that is a, um... That's kind of a... It's it's a, it's a big it's, stunning It's kind of moment. a mind-blowing concept for yeah. a superhero comic, isn't it? It really like, is. See this bad guy? He's not actually bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they 
toy. Like he seems bad. Hi, welcome, moral relativity. He yes. seems bad to you guys. Yes, but that's because you are the rabbits. Yeah, that you know, dogs would chase after. Exactly, exactly. And so there's there's a huge thing where it's like some of the parts where it gets toyed at uh with say dr doom the idea that doom might be actually a good leader of latveria even as he's an an absolute horrible awful person like it goes the full nine yards here galactus is basically described as again above good and evil and then to, to shape it up right before the torch returns i mean again lee does great job holding things together because panel five is is the watcher looking strangely satanic and absolutely <laughs> evil without any Especially context? Especially that wonderful coloring job. Yeah, so great. You're just like I don't understand here. Like I don't know if they're supposed to be going for like a you know, like you know, the watcher is you know like something out of Paradise Lost because he's like rebelling against the natural order of things in that panel. Or it's just like, hey, we got to make it dr- dramatic, but it is one hell of a strange effect, you know. And then, and then we have the last panel is Johnny on his way back across space, um, and and so and and as just as in the previous issue, making a travel against stuff that is just um, wacky again. We have on life. We see on life again. Yeah, that's right. The unlife is talked about, the subspace is talked about, and Johnny's return is is it's kind of terrifying. It is, just as his departure was. It is it the the, the, the fourth panel on page six, mm-hmm. there's something really scary about that. Yeah. So Johnny's returning and the panel three says, Finally, as the last deadly obstacle has been passed, the Valiant Youth re enters his own time continuum. Mm-hmm. Which you'd think, as a reader, would mean the next panel is him, like being with the team again. But it's not. Yeah. It's him basically going through the reverse of his journey out mm-hmm. in the previous issue. Mm-hmm. And his dialogue goes, "Read, Ben, Sue, where are you? It's Johnny. I'm back. They don't hear me. I'm still in some different plane, but I'm getting closer." There's something weirdly creepy about that. Well, it is They're like he's back, but he's not back. Yeah, he. But he's I... not really made it. And you, you get that mm-hmm. when he's properly back. But mm-hmm. he says, I travel through worlds so big, so big there aren't words. Words were like ants, just ants. Mm-hmm. Which is, first of all, I feel like either that has been ripped off by lots of people or yes. that it's a ripoff. Sounds mm-hmm. amazingly familiar. Yeah. Um, but, but there's something great about Johnny has returned and he holds it together until he gets back and then he just goes to fucking pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He he is just completely Yeah, you don't you don't he he comes back, but he doesn't come back in any sort of upright context. I mean and I adore oh, that panel. He falls over. Yeah, he he comes in crouching and then is shown like just yeah, crouched over and, and a falling apart heap. Um it it's one of the things that I think is uh great and, and sort of works in in a way that almost and and I know you also adore um, Kirby's work on two thousand one, a Space Odyssey, but it it's it, 
compared to this, it, in a way, it's almost too on the nose. Because one of the things that is fabulous about this is everything here is being described with science fiction names, but everything that's resonant about it feels spiritual and mystical. So Johnny's return from, you know, subspace or whatever, because it's not like instant time travel, you get three panels of him. It seems like he's coming back from the dead or being literally reborn out of fire, you know, and, and that there's a, there's a few other things on this where they really do make, they just, they just, they just stretch it, I think. Um, you know, it's it's like there's a thing on page nine uh, that I adore where, where they talk about um, where, again, the Watcher says something like, the promise of Galactus is living truth itself. His word can never be questioned. Which, you know, we've seen variations on that statement many times throughout the Fantastic Four. But it... But the language, I don't think, it never gets more exalted than that. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it really is breaking out the biblical level shit in a in a way that ends up, you know, working. Of course, you know, I mean, it, it, it it's so strange how the scope of of this storyline, mm -hmm. which really is just like you said, two issues of real estate. Mm hmm. Um, but the scope feels so much bigger than everything that's come before. Yeah. And I'm not really quite sure why that should be. Yeah. Because it's Kirby and Lee both playing into their individual strengths. That's right. And leaning into the curves that they've are, they're already in. Yes. And somehow it comes out as this bigger adventure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is really kind of fascinating. Well, And it's that despite the fact that the end of the story after Johnny gets back is is such a letter. <laughs> it is amazing. I can't wait to talk about that stuff because it really does. One of the things that's great about issue 51 is, is the end of issue 50 makes you think like... Well, are oh. you thinking 49 and 50? Uh, 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 what What's that? I'm sorry, yeah. Are you thinking 49 and 50? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The end of... Uh, the 51, This Man, This Monster... Okay. It, to me, oh no, I, I I meant the I meant the end of the Galactus story is such a letdown. Oh, the like end the, of the, oh, the, okay. what actually happens to Galactus is oh, such a letdown. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's it is it's it's um right. It it is because because it, it, re it really is. I mean, mm -hmm. Johnny comes back. He has right. he's traveled beyond mm -hmm. and, and and in such a way that I think for the first time in superhero comics, beyond seems like a fearsome idea. Yeah. Beyond doesn't seem like a fun jape. Beyond seems like something that is dangerous and that might have fucked Johnny up. Yeah. Um, and he's done so to bring back a device. Mm -hmm. A device, sure, that's scary enough that Galactus gets scared off and says, sure, I'll leave Earth alone. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's a MacGuffin. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And there really right. is a sense of like, oh, that's it? Yeah. No, it yeah, was, it, it was yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, there is a lot of, you know, because they're... they're <laughs> Like you said, it's Kirby and Lee working to their strengths, but there are still the weaknesses. Like Kirby is the master of getting us into unimagined worlds, but he could not care less about how we get out of them. 
you know, to him, it's a little bit of the nature of like, oh, that's comics. You know, I, he never hesitates to use the cheapest cheat that ever walked the planet when he needs to, including this total. Yeah. The, the cigarette lighter, that's a deus ex machina slash MacGuffin of all time MacGuffins, you know? Uh, um, but it has the impact because of everything that he puts you through up until that point that, that it's, well, but does it have the impact? That's I guess what I'm arguing. I don't think it does. I think it, it I think it, the the storyline as great as it is falls apart at that point. Well, uh, that could be. I I guess I I guess I could see that. For me, um the ending doesn't bother me as much because there are bits and pieces. To me the real ending sort of the same way that um that the the story almost doesn't have anything to do with earth, you know. Uh, because Earth is really kind of a meal. I mean, it's important to us, but in the scope of things, I feel like the the panel that always works, despite it being a tiny-ish panel, is the panel where Galactus takes away the Silver Surfer's ability to roam yes. the galaxies. Yes. You know, the the, the which is uh, panel four on page nine. Yeah. And that, to me, again, just talk about a triumph of the body language that that Kirby and Sinnott are bringing to this is when the Silver Surfer gets hit by the rays of Galactus and and sort of falls off the surfboard, he, he looks like a puppet whose strings have been cut. He looks like he's been utterly felled, you know? It, exactly, yeah. One of the things I really love about that panel is you see the silver surfer in pain. Yeah. And not necessarily in physical pain, but he looks like he's, like you said, like a puppet whose, whose strings have been cut. He looks utterly defeated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, For someone he, who, who has previously been impervious to everything that's happening around him. Yeah. All of a sudden he is, he is feeling the impact of, of an outside event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that changes the way that you as a viewer read him. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. So, so for me, that's kind of the, that's a, that's a little bit of the moment is the idea that Silver Surfer has, you know. Sure, it, it, it helps. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the panel before that, you pretty much have Galactus go, bah, right. I'll be back. Right. Well, you know, so for the first time since the dawn of memory, my will has been thwarted. Yes. But I bear no malice, emotions for lesser beings. Right. Really? He says like he says that while like holding his fist up to the reader. Yes. And really is a moment of like, oh, I wish you'd had a different ending. You know, and I almost feel well, yes, I totally agree with you. I also think that this is one of those situations where um perhaps because we we're talking about Grant Morrison. This page is amazing to me because with the exception of the, the money shot of the Silver Surfer being like felled, um, the three panels before it with Galactus and the Watcher are all them looking at the viewer, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you literally have the Watcher pointing at, you know, the viewer and then, and then Galactus like holding up his hand and, and turning and looking and, Again, some of this stuff is the way that the the panels 
you know, have to work for dynamic flow in a, in, in, in a way for, for Kirby, for just that maximum panel to panel thing that he, he just, because of his ability to throw in, you know, abstract elements can work so well. But I, I do think there is a moment where it does feel like a lost opportunity because although I wouldn't have wanted them to like be gesturing at the, the reader beyond the page and explicitly naming it, there's, there's something, there's something weird going on there, you know? Um, and maybe it's just another one of the, the confidence man tricks out of, out of the many in these three issues that doesn't necessarily come off. But I remember looking at this page and being like, this is an eerie page. Again, there's a little bit to me of the feeling of between the MacGuffin of the ending and sort of Stan explaining it. It's kind of like, you know, but there's, there is something odd. There's something, there's something larger than life. The idea that, that those characters are so big they can see past the age of the page, the edge of the comics page is pretty great, but I don't know, Graham. I mean, not, not to put you on the, on, you know, the, the trial, the exhibit stand, but how, how do you know how, how would you end a story like this? I, I don't know how I would end a story like this. When I said that thing about, I wish you'd find a different way to end it. Part of me was like, yeah, yeah I don't know what that would have been. Right. Um, uh, you know what I think? I think I would have, if there was some way to pull a shortcut between Johnny coming back and Galactus going without having to have Reed go, aha, this thing, I have this thing. Do you right. see this thing in my hand? Yeah. I have the thing. And Galactus going, oh, you've got the thing. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, I'll leave. If there was something, if it was enough for Johnny just to return yeah. and Galactus just knew. Yeah. Yeah, I that's actually a good point. More, I mm-hmm. think I might have found that more dramatically satisfying. Right. Right. Even just if the you then you had an epilogue mm-hmm. of, you know, Reed go, what just happened? And Johnny mm-hmm. was like, I don't know. I was told to bring back this thing. Right. Well, you know, yeah, some, I mean. something much more. Yeah. There's something very hokey for me mm-hmm. about Reed literally holding the ultimate nullifier in Galactus's face. Mm-hmm. And be like, do you see? Do you see what I've got? What do you think now, big man? There's something about that that just doesn't work for me you know i totally get it i have to say as someone who like those are that's one of the images that i remember the most from when i first read this as like a as like a really young kid because i had the same feeling like it makes no sense you know so there's part of me where i'm like no graham it's the anti-climax of it that makes it genius you know i don't know I, I think that's just me arguing out of out of fondness and nostalgia. I see it. I do know well, that. But like, it's, it's one of those things because I mean, I the ultimate nullifier. I want to say I first encountered maybe Secret Wars two or something. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I definitely knew about it before I read the story for the first sure, time. Sure, sure, yeah. And because of that, like it had more power as a device. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like, oh shit! It's the ultimate. You know, it's the ultimate right. nullifier. Mm-hmm. Crap! They must mean business. But really, when you break it down. It's such a weird MacGuffin yeah. Yeah. that doesn't feel worthy of the the weirdness of what Johnny's been on. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, mm-hmm. Johnny's mission goes from you have to go through the spiritual journey that you won't understand and will screw you up yeah. to can you pop back to Galactus's house and pick up this thing for <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. If you show him his car keys, he will get pissed, but he'll leave. But not before he tells his best friend off. You know, so yeah, 
you know and there's there's something i just wish there was a way to to cut from johnny's journey and return and being fucked up right to galactus leaving right yeah i get it i, get I almost it. wish there i almost wish in fact the conclusion had been that silver surfer convinced galactus and sacrificed himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to being punished yeah i suppose that would be kind of great that he actually convinces him but but galactus is like yeah but you know since you crossed me like despite no 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 the, no, the, the silver surfer actually sacrifices himself oh and, and, and that, his, that his way of convincing him is oh i see take, like feed on me mm, Ooh, interesting interesting take my power and leave right that would have been more satisfying for me oh that's a, that well Graham, there you go i think for me uh that's right. welcome to Baxter building where jeff and i rewrite classic uh, you know what of the 1960s it's 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 to you know more in line with our 2015 attitudes it's 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 humbling and it's humiliating but i mean you know i appreciate i appreciate you standing up to the challenge Graham, because it makes sense you know i mean I, That's I not what it. we're here for, Jeff. It's not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Well, also, no. We've been talking for like an hour and a half almost, and we're <laughs> three issues in to our seven issues, which we're trying to do. Okay. Um, let me just say one of the things that I, I noticed on uh, page uh, 13, and then I think I'll, I'll, I'll be mostly quiet about the rest of this, is I love the, how um, the Silver Surfer jumps into the skies and and basically jumps off to explore in a way that's actually very positive and upbeat, actually, in a way. Um, and there's an amazing uh, panel transition on pan- between panel five and panel six, where yes. it's the Silver Surfer spreading his arms and flying into the sky. And it the next panel is Alicia Masters with her arms also spread in a similar her body language is similar as she makes her way down you know a long lonely staircase by herself you know well um, and that is happening because the thing's pathos is being played up significantly because he thinks that alicia is now in love with the silver surfer who she describes as uh, noble and who is the physical perfection that ben isn't yes um and, and pl- very much playing up the Life sucks for the thing in order to set up the next issue, but also uh, unconsciously setting up a, by the way, Ben Grimm is a dick thing, which is going to continue a few issues later. We'll get back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, again, another moment where the transitions, where Kirby's uh, transitions are, are just great. And I think another moment where Lee really helps. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the panels that, that Lee is able to take what Kirby's doing and, and runs with it, which is Alicia goes to the silver surfer and talks to him and is, and, and talks about, you know, referring to him as a certain, the certain proud nobility that he has. And then he is talking back to her and Ben Grimm is basically just so shocked by how outclassed he feels that he just walks off. And his, his thought balloons are, he talks like a poet and she's listening like it's the first time she ever heard a guy speak to her. I can't even get mad. He didn't even try to beat my time. It just happened. And I, and that is actually, to me, a lot more, um, has a lot more pathos in it than all of the sort of, 
breast beating that you get from from Ben, you know, before and after this, you know, is just literally he's so shocked. He doesn't even say anything and he just leaves. Which is, he, he just walks. Yeah, yeah. He just walks off. Yeah. Which is. But the best part is he just walks off. And so Alicia has no idea where he's gone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're right. There is something a little bit. It does set up that little bit of a dickiness thing because there she is. She is the person who, again, you know, between her and the watcher, they have saved the planet. And her reward for that is she gets to stumble down a staircase utterly by herself. Well, but not only that, she's calling after Ben. Yes. Like yeah, Ben very went, explicitly. Down, the, ben went mm-hmm. down the staircase four panels ago. There is no way that he can't hear her. Yeah. Well, Absolutely not. No, really. There's not. <laughs> not unless he started walking this scary and then ran into, turned into a run. <laughs> I mean, really, he can hear her. That, uh, that's the thing. In order for the next story to work, you have yes. to assume that Alicia and Ben never had a chance to talk, like never caught up. And oh, the problem with that yeah. is Alicia has to get out of the Baxter building. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean? mm-hmm. Like at some point, they're, they're probably going to meet. Yeah. But never mind. Uh, so that is that is on page 13, and it's worth pointing out that the rest of the issue uh, is is kind of amazing failure. Amazing. You, you have another you have another seven pages of story, which are really staggeringly uh, pointless. Oh my god! Uh, there there is uh, I, I I can't even tell you well let's let's move on to this man this monster because honestly i would just well, no, spend no, no, 10 minutes there, there's there's one thing that does happen that is yes. out, which is why wingfoot comes into it for the first oh time. yeah right absolutely which is uh, on AJT, you get why wingfoot and why is one of my favorite marvel characters especially yes. the way lee and kirby does him yeah because he's just genuinely like this genuinely great dude yeah yeah like this upbeat dude he's he's captain america yeah he's this upbeat dude who just does right things for the right reasons Yes. Yeah, I love Wingfoot. And and one of the things that I love, and this later gets um, undone uh, in in later issues, but I do love the fact Wyatt Wingfoot is a Native American Indian. Uh, he says it very explicitly that he's come from the Indian Mission School outside of Tulsa, and. And there is not, nobody makes a single fire water Tonto. They went that away. Any of oh, that stuff. For a couple of issues, at least. Yeah. And we'll see. Johnny exactly. just dives into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, as for white first, guys for the will, first, of course. For the first couple of issues. Mm-hmm. Also, I love, my favorite thing about issue 50, I, I mean this genuinely, even though it's going to sound like I'm being sarcastic, Yeah, is... The, you get White Wingfoot's introduction, mm-hmm. and Johnny then, while the Dean is talking about Wyatt, mm-hmm. basically is like, oh, will I ever see Crystal again? Yes. And then snaps out of it, and the last thing Johnny thinks of the issue, this is like the second last panel of the issue, is, wish I could recall what Dean said about Wingfoot. I love that. I do it's love that. It's so great. It's yeah. like setting him up as a mystery character, which is never really paid off. No. Well, there's so much stuff that's not paid off here. Uh, John, I mean, not that I'm paid. I we're we're reaching the end of stuff. I think that I where I had read stuff even partially as a kid. So I have no idea if or how they decide to resolve the world's worst subplot uh, with you know Coach Cliche over the hill. And his desire to have one last good game, um, that 
is beyond dreary. Like all the stuff with with Johnny at college, I think it's great that it's like Johnny goes to college in if, issue fifty and basically is running off on his own to to reunite with Crystal by like issue fifty three or fifty four. Like apart mm-hmm. from a few other pages, because he has vacation. Jeff. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't? You know, just two days after starting college. So, um, so, so yeah, the, the end of it has so much filler that, that you just can't, uh, can't help but feel like, like, what are the fantastic, what are they going to do next? Cause it almost seems as if they literally ran out of juice, you know, partway through this issue, you know, yes. which is what makes issue 51 so great. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because issue 51 is great. Issue 51 is probably my favorite issue of Fantastic Four. Oh, really? You yeah. know, it's I I I like it. Um I I like it a lot and it's we've talked uh, I was going to say on this podcast, but by which I mean wait what, not Baxter Building. We mm-hmm. talked a lot before about things that we didn't like as kids and have later grown on us. I yes. used to hate this man this monster. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Mm-hmm. With a passion. Mm-hmm. Um to the point where, and also it's worth pointing out, the first time I ran into this man, this monster, is not in this man, this monster. Oh, really? Uh, the first time I read this man, this monster was when Grant Morrison ripped it off for Doom Patrol 53. Oh, God, you know, I think I did too. I think I Which did too. Which is literally yeah. a, a ripoff of this story. And yeah. he might call it a parody, but there's not enough satire in it to make it a parody. He's literally just lifting the plot of this story. Yeah. Um, But... And so when I read it the first time, I was like, oh, it's hokey. <laughs> Grant Morrison was right. It's, it's a dumb story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's, it's great. It it's is great. It's a great story. It's yeah. such a wonderful, beautiful story. Okay, so yeah, we're talk- sorry, everyone. We're now talking about Fantastic Four issue 51. The Fabulous FF must solve the terrible riddle of this man, ellipses, this monster, exclamation point. And Graham, I have to ask, please, please, please um, do post Stop the, talking. The... <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say? The, 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 oh, I don't think I have a scan of it anymore. Oh my God. So the wonderful Gar Burner did an amazing, uh, this gram, this monster, uh, art piece of original art and did a great commandy page for me that, um, that I absolutely adore. And I've got the original art for my piece. I must have the, I must have the, the JPEG. No, wait, I've got it. I think I've just found it. Yeah. Oh, good. So it's basically yeah, the it. splash page it. with Graham, Graham as as Ben Grimm, um, which is wonderful. N- not least because I think this man, this monster, the splash page of this is is like one of the all time great splash pages. You know, I, I I think that that page is just one of the best things that Kirby and Senate have ever done. You know, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful wonderful image yeah uh and it, i kind of love as well that the it's pretty much ben is pretty much in the same position as he is in the cover mm-hmm. um oh except of course it's not ben in the cover spoilers right. um but there's something about that page turn yeah that is very affecting as a result yeah yeah so you go from the, the, the dynamic, oh, shit, something's wrong with Mr. Fantastic. Sue mm-hmm. Storm's after, you know, trying to get Ben's attention on the cover to he's just standing in the rain just being pissed on. Yeah. 
on the splash. Yeah, he he's being pissed on. There's just such an image of like desolation again. You've gotten to the point where like the thing in the first 30 issues of the title, like the first 3 years, the 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 amount of emotion that could pop up on his face was sometimes seemed so variable because the way his face was drawn was so variable. But now that we're in the era of the thing looks identifiable and consistent, more or less from every angle, you can have a shot of him standing in the rain and you can read the expression on his face as just the most deepest desolation. You know, I mean, of course, everything about it is, it, you know, the rain and the lights in the background and he's completely alone and there's no, you know, apart from the, the credits, the credits box and the, um, the title thing, there's not, there's no dialogue. It's just, there's a complete sense of utter isolation to it that, um, is wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just one of my favorite drawings of, of the thing ever. And like I said, just one of my favorite splash pages of Kirby ever. It's it's such and it's such a good quiet opener mm-hmm. for for what is is such a, a a really genuinely wonderful story. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Graham, why don't you walk us through the story? Because I feel, of course, my stupid digressions will just drag us later. So let's let's have you uh, roll us through it. The short version of the story is this: the thing having uh, walked out of the Baxter Building in desolation and emotional disruption and desolation in issue 50 is continuing to do so he is a beaten down man who feels that no one can love him and no one can even like him that he cannot even be a friend to anyone mm-hmm. as he walks through the city and he is taken in by a kindly stranger except it turns out that this is not a stranger this is someone who has been planning to basically do the spin grim all along because he can do that thing that reed richards can't like so many bad guys he can cure ben grim that's right he does this by taking the form of the thing himself. Mm-hmm. He looks and sounds identical to Ben Grimm, and he decides to take Ben Grimm's place mm-hmm. within the Fantastic Four. He does this because he is a scientific rival of Reed Richards' genius, as I think Stan would like us to believe every scientist in the Marvel Universe at this point is. Yes. Um, he basically goes to embarrass Reed Richards, and as we learn later, Kind of with a, a, you know, if there's a side order of maybe he dies as well, he wouldn't be too upset. Mm-hmm. Um, ben follows him back in human form to the Baxter building and confronts uh, the fake them thing, the Reed and Sue, who do not believe him that he's Ben Grimm, which is kind of amazing. Yes. Yeah. Like, sure, I get it that's um for the story, but it's genuinely kind of impressive yeah. that they're like, you must be the thing. You look like the thing, or you're as strong as the thing. Sure. Okay, guy who looks just like Ben Grimm. Yeah. There's no way you could be Ben Grimm. This guy's definitely the thing. Yeah. Move along, stranger. But that's right. what happens. Yeah. Um, and uh, on page seven, there is a wonderful panel, panel six on page seven, where Ben Grimm is basically telling the, the Fantastic Four or the Fantastic Two and fake thing that it's on their heads. Damn it. Uh, mm-hmm. Where more than anything, it looks like a uh, John Buscema drawing. It really does, doesn't it? That's it really a good does point. not look mm-hmm. like a Kirby drawing at all. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. weird. Um, anyway, Ben Grimm leaves them to it. 
and mm -hmm. Fake Thing agrees to anchor an experiment for Mr. Fantastic. That, of course, goes wrong mm -hmm. um, and risks leaving Mr. Fantastic in the crossroads of infinity. Mm -hmm. They jump to everywhere, AC calls it, which is another wonderful Kirby photo collage. Mm -hmm. um, in order to prevent this from happening, Ben Grimm realizes, or the, the sorry, the fake thing realizes that Reed Richards is not a bad guy and mm -hmm. that the Fantastic Four are not bad people mm -hmm. and that maybe he should follow Ben Grimm's example and be a hero. And in doing so, he sacrifices himself by throwing himself into the Crush of Infinity to rescue Reed and then literally throws Reed out mm -hmm. and ends up going on to be abandoned slash possibly probably die in the mm -hmm. Crush of Infinity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The end of the main story. Mm -hmm. There's subplots and stuff, but that's basically this man's monster. Yeah. It's great. It is. It is absolutely, it is pretty great. Um, like you said, the story... I, 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 so, there's so much to like about it. Mm -hmm. uh, like, the overall story is great, but also there's some amazing fucking Kirby designs. Yeah. Uh, Reed's machine double, sorry, his huge radical cube mm -hmm. designed to create a dimensional entrance into subspace is amazing. Yeah. The photo collage of Reed in the Crossroads of Infinity is amazing. Yeah. Uh, e even the interlude, the two-page interlude of sorry, the three-page interlude of Johnny in college mm -hmm. has just some gorgeous art in there. Yeah. Just really, really gorgeous art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's a visually stunning issue. This The overall plot is great in large part because Ben by the end of the book has gone well I guess I'm not the thing anymore that's okay maybe now I can be the the boyfriend slash husband that Leisha wants and as he's knocking on the door to Leisha mm -hmm. he runs back into the thing and runs away because he's so horrified yeah. which is you know I, by this point we're very deeply into the the thing has a tragic experience to the point where it's almost comic mm-hmm you know, mm -hmm. it's almost comedy that's like, oh, wah, wah. But this is genuinely upsetting again. Yes. Because he, he's come to terms with what's going on. He's like, okay, sure, I might have lost my friends, but I'm human again, and maybe I can finally get what I want. No, I can't. Right, right. Well, and there is something about, again, it, it, in, a, in a way, it, it sort of goes back to um, Reed basically turning the turning Ben back into the thing so that he can defeat Dr. Doom where, but, but this time he reads not doing it consciously. Oh yeah. 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 No, I, I think the, what I was going to say was, is that the pathos about it is, is the fact that the Ben has no control over this. Part of what freaks him out is that idea of like, he's turned back into him. He, basically gets used to it and the idea that he changes back into the thing you know the part of the trauma is it of it is is that it is it's it's ultra capricious like you said it's almost comic but it does have that almost like um when he turns back into ben Grimm back in ff4 when he's bluebeard where it's just he is it's almost as if he's being punished by god you know, 
it, it and in a way it does feel like that because it is such a it's always being taken away from him whether he has any say or not there's lots of scenes of him begging and pleading not to have it happen again and it happens but in some ways it's almost more heartbreaking here where it just it just happens right as he's about to knock on the door and propose and it's it's right out of the blue and and he just he just freaks out you know one of the things that is amazing to me about this man this monster is is that you have is is that it is such a great fake out it's it's a story about the thing or it looks like it's a story about the thing that isn't really a story about the thing at all it's about yeah, this scientist. Ben is actually incredibly absent from this issue. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Um, so there's... Yet, nonetheless, he goes through a great amount of change. Yeah. Most of it off panel, but nonetheless, he goes through an emotional journey. Mm-hmm. He does. Well, and again, kind of like I said, you know, the way that the FF sort of, you know, are moving to the periphery of the book, this is this is an issue that is that looks like an issue about the thing, but is actually a story about an anonymous nobody's ability to find redemption as someone else, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, one of the things that I think is is interesting to me is one of the things I really appreciate is the panel where. Because it's, I think as as a as as a jealous person on the internet, I, it really resonated with me. Where, um, scientist dude, did, is he named? Is he named? I don't. I don't think he is ever is ever named. Because is that not the point? Yeah, I would think is, that is, is the, the point. is the point is the point not at the end where, uh, oh no, I know. For some reason, I thought that it, there was a point where Reed actually says. We don't. We don't even know who he is, but he doesn't. He just says, "Whoever he was, he paid his price like a man." But yeah. no, he's never named. So he's he's never named. So the 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 non thing is basically thinks all these years when I thought I never got the breaks. Now I know the truth. It was my fault. Nobody else's. I wouldn't work hard enough. I wouldn't make the sacrifices that Reed Richards would. I never saw things so clear before. It's almost like I've really become the thing, not just an imitation. And which is interesting. Well, I, be- I, yeah. I, but that plays off against the, the scene in uh, page four mm-hmm. where he says, I'm through being a loser. This time I've got the winning hand. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's payoff for that very scene earlier on. Yes. Where he is the jealous guy. He was like, fuck life. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. It's he, You see him being jealous and blaming other men. And the moment where he sort of learns to own up to his own responsibility, which is interesting because that is, ironically enough, that is the thing that is the most shaky about Ben. You know what I mean? Like, out of all the characters in the FF, the person who's the most likely to, A, act impetuously, and then, B you know, comically blame everyone else for it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it's great that I don't want to say that he misunderstands the thing, but one of the things that I think helps to me makes the, the issue somewhat resonant is the conclusions that he makes in the course of this issue aren't necessarily the ones he, he isn't, he, he isn't just, Ben Grimm when he turns into the thing. What he ends up becoming is his idea of Ben Grimm. 
Yeah, you know? which is almost better than Ben Grimm. Yes, exactly. And this actually is one of the stories that I think, one of the things that I think is really weird. As I said, the thing is a character in which Lee and Kirby most come successfully mesh, I feel. On, on the Fantastic Four and and maybe throughout their entire collaboration at Marvel I don't I don't really know certainly some of the stuff that I've read with Thor for example it's a constant you know tug of war between the two I wonder the extent to which whether he consciously knows it or not this man this monster is a story about Stan Lee I guess because sort of in the way that Kirby saw Ben Grimm as himself, this man, this monster is a story about a bald, jealous nobody who learns to become a better person by getting inside the thing, by becoming Jack Kirby's creation. You know, I'm giving you a bit of a oh, Jeff. I think you're stretching <laughs> face right now. As well, you should. As well, you should. It's pretty outlandish, and honestly, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that any a that anyone could could um, unconsciously come to, and it doesn't seem like anything that the two of them could ever consciously say. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that Jack Kirby's like, well, I I did the latest issue, and it's all about you being an asshole, stealing my work, but in the course of doing so, you at least learn to become a slightly better person. You know? And Stan being that, like... That's... <laughs> exactly. Stan being great! Let me get right on that. I've got some excellent ideas how to, how to really redeem me. You know? So, um... <laughs> People have been complaining that I need redemption. So I've got some great ideas, okay? <laughs> but in the end, I'm going to fuck your life up again. Exactly. Excelsior. Excelsior, true believers. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, I don't, I don't doubt that what I'm saying is just a, a load of cut swallop. But I, to me, it is also the area at which it gets to be the most resonant because it is an issue about people inhabiting other people's I don't want to say creations, but, you know, other people's selves, I guess. So, um, it's great. Uh, it, um, is there more you want to point out and or... No, I, 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 I think we've talked enough about it. And I okay. really want to jump on to uh, issue 52. Yes, which is phenomenal. Um, 52 and it's... 53 are not issues that I had read before. Really? Because yeah. there, there's some great stuff in there. Issue yeah. 52 uh, is the fabulous FF are trapped in the incredible realm of the Black Panther. Yeah. Also featuring the way out and wonderful Wide Winter. <laughs> it is, the splash page tells us, voted the greatest tale of the month by Stan and Jack. Uh, Jack Kirby is actually credited as Jolly Jackie Kirby. That's right, Jackie. Wow. Um. It is, a, it is, as you, the title might suggest, the first appearance of the Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the first appearance of Wakanda and the first appearance of all of that stuff. And, and yes. It's great. Mm -hmm. It is, it's, isn't it's it? It's also kind of terrible, but yeah. it's great. The truly terrible stuff is the next issue, but 
There's some <laughs> terrible stuff in this. Oh, 53 is appalling, Jeff. You know, I ha- I- I'll be honest, Graham. 52 and 53 are... Uh, yeah, uh, on the skin of them, they are pretty flat, sort of embarrassing issues. But oh, 53 is... is... Oh, wow. Well, we'll have to get on to 53 so that you can talk about it. But what I adore is, despite sort of Stan's continual kind of like, I can't believe it. Um, this it, it's 1966 and Lee and Kirby are essentially inventing, as far as I know, you know, psychedelic Afro funk, Afro futurism, you know, yes. because yes. you have characters here who are clearly African, who at every stage are being shown unapologetically as technologically superior in a way that is, in my mind, I think really must have been groundbreaking. You know, like I I, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And yet. Yes, exactly. Uh, the and yet is not so much in this issue, but really in the next issue, which is there is such an air of, and from Africans. Yes. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. Which is, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Just. Yeah. I mean, a punch in the gut every single fucking time. Yeah, yeah. But in this issue, although they keep sort of pointing... Yeah. Less so, but the next issue, holy motherfucking shit. Yeah. It's really offensive. Yeah. Um, But there's some great stuff here. And also a lot of stuff that was very quickly dropped as soon as they decided to bring Black Panther into, basically into the Marvel Universe proper. Mm -hmm. For example... The Wakandans can communicate anywhere they are around the world instantaneously using cosmic channel waves. Yes. Which is yeah. great, mm-hmm. but it's an idea that would never be used again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. I mean, there's that. I mean, there again, it's uh, there's a lot that's such works in progress. I mean, just sort of the same way that Galactus changes his outfit in three issues. The Black Panther physically looks like an utterly different person like by the next issue he by issue 53 Sidney Poitier but he does he does not start out that way you know um so yeah there's there's a lot that that sort of grows and changes uh and even kind of the idea I'm fascinated by they return over and over again to the idea that the Black Panther has is hunting the FF in a in a techno jungle, a jungle where everything, and, and this seems like very ahead of its time, science fiction wise, you know, the idea of, of talking about, uh, you know, bioorganisms that are, you know, generators, but look like plants or flowers that are, you know, supposedly communicators. Although I think Stan just falls back on them being knobs and dials. It's interesting to me, especially because it doesn't look like that in any way, shape or fashion to my eyes, no matter how much I squinted, I'm like, it kind of seems like they're just being hunted in like a big old complex, you know? Yeah. They're being hunted in a warehouse full of machines. Yeah, basically. Yeah, kind except of... except they're also not. There are times when, uh, especially why it ends up clearly outside. Right. Well, yeah. He also exactly. like within a panel is then back inside. Yes. But yeah, the the FF are clearly inside uh, mm-hmm. for the for the majority of this hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, it is 
the Black Panther is clearly a work in progress. Yeah. The Black Panther that appears in the next issue is clearly not the same character that exists in this issue. Yes, exactly. Uh, to the point where you do have to wonder if at some point they were like, oh, what, what if we make him a hero? Right. Wait, wait, I've got an idea. What, what if, like, what if we can, you know, maybe we could bring him back if we do this and do this. Mm-hmm. But the, the Black Panther issue 52 is, is much more, not necessarily villainous. I think they, they stay out, uh, they stay away from outright, yeah. you know, villainy. But he's very close to uh, Doctor Doom in places. He, he's a mix between uh, Doctor Doom or maybe and Namor. Craven the Hunter. To me, there's a, yeah, Namor and a lot of Craven the Hunter there. It's kind of like, I'm royalty, I can do whatever I want. And the first issue has such a strong emphasis of, you know, where he says over and over, this will be the greatest hunt ever, the greatest hunt ever. This is going to be the most awesome hunt. Like, it's very but, much... But also, he's, he's very much an uncaring dictator because all of, his, all of the mm. citizens of Wakanda, like, follow him blindly. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, they act the same way that the Atlanteans or the, the Latverians behave right. towards Namor and Doom, respectively. Mm-hmm. You know, they you get the feeling in this issue, they would happily sacrifice themselves for him. Yes. So he doesn't come across as a benevolent leader at all hmm. in this issue. That's interesting. I mean, if, if, if I hadn't played out so much of our time, I think I would start debating as to, do you think Namor, because I always feel that, that Lee is pretty good about playing his hand such that Doom has panels where people in Latveria are kind of going like, quiet child, he'll hear you. Whereas I always feel like Namor is always in the process of letting down his people, but they serve him <laughs> blindly. That's you true. At I this mean? point, Namor, Namor is definitely at the point where everyone's like, I don't know. Let's give him a chance. <laughs> exactly. They're like, I don't, I don't. I don't and then... there's, some, there's something about the attitudes of the Wakandans in this issue that does not come across to me as the Black Panther is in any way a good guy. Yeah, uh, that, that comes across very much as like to know him is to fear him. Yeah, um, which stands very much at odds not only with how we know the Black Panther now, but also how he appears in the very next issue. Yes, and so yeah. you know, I, you get the feeling that he really is a a, a, a very a, a work in progress that that no one quite has worked out what they want to do with him yet. Yeah. Not only because. By the time you get to issue 53 and he explains why he's been hunting the Fantastic Four, it makes no sense. No. No, it clearly doesn't. I had to hunt you so that when someone attacks me, I can fight back. Yeah. Yeah. Sure? Yeah, exactly. And you were a technological genius. Why? (laughs) Well, it is. It's It's got a lot of, again, it's... You know, to me, there's a lot of, yeah, this is, this is, this is Kirby plotting at its quote unquote finest. And this it's, is at its, at its Kirbyist. At its, exactly. At its Kirbyist. And Lee doing his best to wallpaper over the ridiculously huge cracks. So, um, you know, I, I don't feel that it's one of those situations where they're at odds. It's just Stanley is doing everything he can to hang on for the ride. You know, um, but again, you know, I, I it's like I said, I had so there's other things that you do not like about this issue uh, apart from the completely horrible patronizing way that everyone points out that how amazing it is. No, no, that... th- that's that's my problem with issue 52 and 53. I think in otherwise they're really strong issues, mm-hmm. but I cannot I like I genuinely 
And I've read these issues fairly recently. Mm. But in reading them the other night, I genuinely, especially in issue 53, was like, oh, God. Oh, stop talking. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Actually, there is a there is a point where um, where T'Challa is trying to tell his origin and like Ben Grimm just keeps cutting in and being like, yeah, yeah, you've talked to a guy who's seen every Tarzan movie, you know, and just. Yeah, kind of that's, a... yeah that, OK, that's an issue 53 and that's a lot. A, everything the thing says in issue 53 is a large part of my problem with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one thing I want to say about issue 52 before we move on in that case is yes. we have at this point finished with the Galactus storyline. Mm-hmm. We've finished with this man sponsor, which to all intents and purposes is everyone catching their breath after Galactus. And we are by issue six, uh, sorry, by page six, immediately back with the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's actually a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you realize very quickly, oh, the Inhumans are going to play a very big part in the story. Yeah. In the series, rather. Like, it, they really meant it when they said that they wouldn't rest until they got them back together. Yeah. Like, and, this, and This is a thing. Yeah. It's a thing, and one of the things that I actually appreciate is is that unlike the first 20 issues of or so of the Fantastic Four, where it's like, oh, the humans are so popular, we're going to bring them back, and they're going to be robbing a bank because the puppet master is controlling them in the next issue. Like, for better or for worse, and I think it's genuinely very much uh, for, for the, the better. better. Yeah, yeah. The, the idea of bringing back characters that are popular in ways that are more organic. And even if it's just a taste to let you know that they're still there, gives it a, gives it a, a much larger, much more unified feel to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a very interesting thing to see because the last we heard mention of the Inhumans was in issue 50. That's right. Because Johnny remembered, can't remember what the Dean said about Wyatt because he was thinking about Crystal. Yes. So, you know, the, the humans have never been gone for this book for more than two issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really interesting. That they, mm-hmm. They're just, he keeps bringing them back. And he's not, no one is necessarily advancing the plot. Yes. They're still trapped under the dome, which, by the way, is still above ground because apparently Kirby didn't read that yes. thing from Stan. Exactly. about it sinking below and never to be seen again. Yeah. But, you know, it's as if they keep wanting to remind you, no, no, this is important. Yeah. You guys need to remember this. That you, right. you want to come back to this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and again, which makes the... Because they, they do something like that again with Coach Cliché over the hill. And it's just like, oh, you know, once again, he's like, if only you I don't could get like that guy. Foot. You really don't. I, I just, I thought it, well, there's a couple of things. I think it's such a groaner. I think it's such a... I also think that for for better or for worse, it really underlines the point that Lee and Kirby, no matter how much they, you know, read the New York Times and keep up with all the magazines, they don't really understand what college is. Yeah, I mean, college is is like, you know, the crazy kids running after, you know, the jalopy and like, you know, wearing the letter vests and, and, and play, you know, listening to Knickerbocker music. Like these, these are not young men and they do not have any sense of, you know, the idea that they're going to take Johnny storm, who's their popular teenager character, put him in a college in New York in 1966. And literally it's, it's, 
And, and this is the thing that gets me. The only in that they have is an old coach who wants to have just one championship game before he retires. You know what I mean? Like it's that that's that's some pretty musty shit, you know. So and 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 I don't. So that's that's part of my problem. Is every time I see it, I'm like, oh man, that's so cornball. And to me, it's very cornball in kind of a Stan Lee way. But who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's Kirby in there too, being like, oh, I can't wait to tell this story about the big game, you know? Because Kirby Kirby has a huge love of old movies as well. You see it whenever any of the, you know, whenever he comes around to doing a monster story that has all the elements of the, the universal, you know, monster picks of the forties or something, you know? So I, I, I can't point any fingers, but I just think that it is a, you can't point any fingers. You said seconds after saying it's definitely Stanley. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I so, can't really yes. point fingers apart from those fingers I was pointing. Yeah, that I'm pointing at Stan Lee. Yeah, no, no, no. Allow me to revise it. Allow me to rescind it. I, I assume it's Stan just because uh, I feel like a lot of Stan's post-Kirby work uh, is equally kind of small-scaled and, and warmed-over leftovers generally to me, you know? I mean, that's kind of my, my ongoing shtick is... Lee and Kirby split. Kirby goes on to create the fourth world, the Celestials, the Eternal, Devil Dinosaur, Machine Man, Captain Victory, Silver Star, you know, and Stanley goes on to create She-Hulk and tell stories about a rich man dressed up as a gorilla robbing buildings in the Spider-Man daily comic strip, you know? So it's it's really hard for me to, to you know, I always end up falling on the side of... Of not giving Stanley enough credit, so which is which is Bruce ridiculous. Yeah. And let's go to issue fifty three now, where I can give Stan even less credit because it has <laughs> the most appalling dialogue imaginable. For that's for issue fifty three, the way it began. Mm-hmm. It opens with uh, now much younger uh, mm-hmm. Black Panther uh, entertaining his guests, the Fantastic Four and Wyatt Wingfoot, with some native dances. Yes. Now that they have survived his hunt. What what could be appalling about this? Well, maybe the thing saying, sheesh, a bunch of Fred Astaire's they ain't, and yep. Johnny Storm responding, relax, Ben, it's better than being shot at by them. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. Wait, it, 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 could it be worse? Yes. Why are, don't all the natives stare at Ben Grimm? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I just can't believe we're in the heart of the jungle, says Sue, as they see technology. Yes, exactly. Oh, or really, the even the indoors. <laughs> Although I do, I do love the the uh, reads talking about technology. Look at that elaborate stereo music system, complete with tape recorder. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> that is true. Out of all the things that reads like, "Wow, check it out!" Yeah, no, it's 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 def- definitely uh, patronizing. To, to or why don't we talk about Ben Grimm's response to? <laughs> the Black Panther saying, my father was the greatest, wisest chieftain in all of Africa and is still as a hunter with segment to none, which is him yawning and then saying, I can't help it. I saw this in a million jungle movies. Yeah. 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 Uh, Or, or, for that matter, when he continues to tell his origin story getting interrupted by Ben Grimm going, I know the rest by heart. Everything was hunky-dory until the greedy ivory hunters made the scene. Yes. Yeah, you're talking to a guy who's seen every Tarzan movie at least a dozen times, and I can recite you half the Bomba the Jungle Boy books at heart. 
Yeah. Sure, I acknowledge that your story isn't that original. That's great, Stan Lee. Nonetheless, yeah. you're being as offensive as fuck. He totally is. He totally There's so is. much, so much about this issue that yeah. is just appallingly offensive. Yeah. Especially because in order for the Black Panther to gain any legitimacy with the Fantastic Four, he has to say, I attended the fine universities of both hemispheres. That's right. That's the only way you could have the technology, isn't it? Fuck you. Fuck you, Stan Lee. Fuck everyone involved in this fucking appalling story. Well, Fuck you <sighs> all. See, this is the thing that, like, I, I totally, on the one hand, I completely agree with you, Graham. Except, like, if you, if you, if you ignore those words, if you overlook all of that stuff, you. Oh, ha- it's a great story apart from that. Yeah. <laughs> Right, I can't overlook those words. Yeah, I no. genuinely can't. No, I and totally I tried. Mm-hmm. I really totally tried. Yeah, because I, it's I, I feel like it's almost being cliche Graham <laughs> to say it's problematic, but this thing is problematic as fuck. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I mean, mean it, it really, really, oh, it and, and you know, there's a lot to to love about it there's a lot Mm -hmm. to really enjoy about it Mm -hmm. but for all of their genuine good intents Mm -hmm. intentions yeah i genuinely believe they were being well-intentioned in making this Mm -hmm. it is so informed by the racist experience their racist experiences and the society of the time yeah that it is just an offensively racist book yeah 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 i i it 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 is there's so many cringeworthy bits and moments in it i agree um you know and yet for me i'm kind of you know it's funny cuz i really have that thing of like oh right you know i had always dreaded reading these issues cuz the black panther uh, at least for a certain period of time was one of my favorite characters you know and so being able to to sort of revisit this stuff and realizing, I guess, that I had always been afraid to, like, maybe I'm walking into it from the framework of like, well, honestly, I was expecting so much worse, you know, but that that really doesn't excuse things. It's just it's just a shame because it really does. It, it, it's impossible to ignore all the all the terrible stuff you know, you just, you, and you find yourself, but I want to so badly because it really is. It's like, no, here is, here is an, here's an amazing character. Here is, it's, re, it's sad how many people like in the Marvel universe are so quick to destroy Wakanda, um, depopulate Wakanda. Like there's no, you know, and bring it in more in line with their uh, expectations of what a quote unquote real African country is. You know, Wakanda is to me so important in the way that it's presented here because it is so um, amazingly aspirational. You know, it well, is, but it, but it is, and it isn't. Like I, uh, I, I agree that it is. But if you read the story, Wakanda is aspirational by happenstance and other people's help. 
they mm. happen to have the vibranium ore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he sold the vibranium to various scientific foundations. Yes. In, and then went to school elsewhere in order to build the society that he has. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Like, there's no self-sufficiency here at all. Well, the self-sufficiency is the idea that, that they have the vibranium, but he he recognizes the value of it. There's only a small amount of no, it. No, but he recognizes the value of it because... Sure, but he recognized the value because hunters have come in to try and steal it and killed his father as a result. Well, yes. Yeah, that is that is Like true. it's not as if he'd recognized the value of it before that. Well that is yes. There is the idea that they, they, they're not aware of it until until it until it is uh taken from them. But I mean but it's there, still there's... a huge change of pace, <laughs> I think, in from there, the so traditional much... narrative. You sure, know? there's so much to like here, mm-hmm. but there's so much that's problematic about it being likable. Uh, oh, that's interesting. I, 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 uh, I... like the the one thing that is uh, pure mm-hmm. to the Wakandans is the quote unquote magic herbs that make the Black Panther the Black Panther, mm-hmm. and that is entirely glossed over. Mm-hmm. The, which is kind of fascinating to me. Because mm-hmm. they're like, at one point, Mangrub's like, how did you have all those powers? And he's like, oh, I've got, you know, I just have herbs. Right. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Let's move past that. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, um, and, uh, and that I think, is, yeah. I think that's really telling. I mm-hmm. think that the, the, the part that is the, we have our own power, we recognize our own power, is the part that is, that no one focuses on. Yes. You know? Mm. So, yeah. It, it's yeah, uh, it's it's one of those. There's an awful lot of good intentions going on in here, and if I could literally overlook, what is ultimately a small thing, mm-hmm. well, then I, no. I would really be able to enjoy it. But not only can I not overlook the small thing, the small thing then becomes so big in my head that I'm like, ah, you've ruined it all for me. <laughs> You know, it's funny. Interestingly enough, I had more problems with issue 54 in the way that uh, the Black Panther sort of becomes like one of our first magical Negroes, you know, in that he goes on to like a fairy godmother, give the Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four everything. Yeah. Uh, Issue 54 is called uh, Whosoever Finds the Evil Eye. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and it opens with the Fantastic Four playing baseball in Wakanda because I don't know. If you want, we could talk about issue fifty-four when we come back next time, and then and then spend the, these next four or five minutes kind of kind of closing things down. Sure, actually, let's do that because issue fifty-four yeah. in many ways opens up the Inhumans again in a way that even the previous issue doesn't. Yes, yeah, it it opens it wide, and I also have to say that the the baseball game, because that ends up being something that Claremont uh, and team end up um, yoinking so uh, perfectly for the Uncanny X Men later that it was kind of a shock to see it here and be like, oh right. Right, this really is, this is, this, it's amazing how well this works, you know, kind of thing. 
So, so b- before we step away from this issue, I will say this: uh, page four on in issue fifty-four features yet another wonderful moment of unconscious racism oh, from yeah. Elaine Kirby, wherein everyone at the party uh, is either the Fantastic Four, White Wingfoot, uh, or or Wakandans, with the exception of the concert pianist, who is of course white. Yes. Yeah. Because hey. Why would there be an African who could play the piano? Am I yeah. right? <laughs> Am I right? Fuck yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone involved in that decision. Yeah. Oh, no, Rassen and Frassen and, <laughs> and all of that. Seriously, there's... Oh, Jeff. Um, <laughs> listeners, thanks for joining us in this musical journey through <laughs> what turned out to be six issues of the Fantastic Four. That's uh, right. A particular thank you for me, because as may show up in the cold open or not, depending on how I edit this, I am I'm horrifically sick this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jeff is also slightly insane this week. Not yes. because of sickness, just because of lots of things that are going on. Yeah. So if we seem somewhat frantic, uh, we are. Yes. But on the plus side, if we'd recorded this two days ago, I would have been feverish and talking to myself. Which <laughs> might have been more entertaining for you, but it would have been harder to edit for me see this should be your cold open you should just pretend to be talking to yourself in feverish uh and then and then go into the cold open and then have us talking and then you can explain that at the end so that's why <laughs> oh, no 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 people already think this is a weird enough show as is. so yes everyone thank you so much for listening check in we will be back in two weeks with an episode of wait what and we will be back next month at approximately this time with another episode of the Baxter building. Let's say that what we'll issues discuss... are we going to be reading through Jeff 54 through what uh, 50. You want to say you want to shoot for 54 through 70. Does that seem overly ambitious? Oh, yes, that does. Okay. <laughs> All right. 70. You're thinking we can do 16 issues. Uh, 16. Oh, we did six can... in two and a half hours. Uh, you're right. Time. Okay. Let's do 54 through 60. And see how yeah. that goes. Well, um, that's a good idea because that that closes out the return of the Silver Surfer and also the return of uh, Doctor Doom. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So fifty-four through sixty, uh, everyone, you can look for us uh, on Stitcher and iTunes. Um, we're on Twitter at twitter.com slash waitwhatpodcast. We're on Tumblr at waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. If you haven't gone to waitwhatpodcast.com, our website, and some people, you know, you just find us through um, iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. That totally makes sense. But we have uh, ex- extensive show notes. And when Graham does them for the Baxter building, they're always super great. And we also uh, each write a piece each week on comics. And uh, some of those pieces, I think, are pretty good. So I think we are worth checking out. Also, uh, what, what Jeff is not saying is the ones that are not pretty good are mine. And also, apologies no. to everyone for me not having done one this week. Like I said, I've been sick. I'll do yeah. one soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 allowed. You understand? I, yeah, I, I, exactly. I know, you, I, yeah. I know you get it. But still, exactly. I'm just, I'm just saying. I feel bad. Oh, don't, don't. Uh, Come on. You know, let, let could, my guilt. Considering we've been Jeff, doing these, Jeff, just Jeff. Okay. Just, just okay. let me have my guilt. Sorry, 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 Graham. Didn't didn't mean don't, to cut don't in don't on step your. Don't my moment. <laughs> <laughs> also, super big thanks to the people at. On Patreon, um, I want to say it's 105 people who actually uh, support us there. Does that sound right to you, Graham? 
or is it I 106? Up right now. Uh, uh, I want 105. To say but when it loads, it will tell me. Come on, loads. Uh, it's 105, yes. 105 people make this all possible. It's very much because of people's backing us past a certain level that we started, uh, that we undertook the Baxter Building podcast. And I'm, I'm, I have to say, I'm very, very glad that we did. So thank you to everyone there. Check us out, patreon.com slash waitwhatpodcast. Um, Graham, anything else I, you want I, to say before we jump? I think that's all you really needed to say. I will add this. Um, Jeff is on Twitter solo as Jeff Lester. Uh, he's at LazyBastid B-A-S-T-I-D Yes. Um, I am on Twitter as well. I'm at Graham M-G-R-A-E-M-E-M yeah. uh, And really, I think that is all you need to know. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to the Patreon people. Um, we will... This might be up. We're talking about possibly early on the RSS feed and so if you've got that on the Sunday if it somehow manages to show up then the show notes will be going up on the Monday so just hold your horses and they'll be there they'll be worth the wait he hopes um, otherwise we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a, a normal wait watch where we will be talking about comics we've read that aren't the Fantastic Four and comics news and if my head is still buzzing about it maybe the British election as well Ooh, yeah, that'd be great. And buzzing is perfect term, Graham, because you are starting to uh, do your... Your, your timing was great! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I saw it happening. I know when it happens. So if you want to sing us out, uh, people, we will see you next time. Graham? They can't, they can't sing us out. Bye. Bye.